Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, good morning. It is Monday, January 22nd, six minutes after nine. We are Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So this past Saturday, it was reported that he had canceled his appearances on CNN and then also on Meet the Press. And then it happened on Sunday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who entered the Republican presidential primary as Donald Trump's greatest threat, announced that he was ending his White House bid. And then he turned around and endorse the guy who had been calling him names. <laughs> this is my favorite part of this, Casey, and I have so little respect for Ron DeSantis. So let's just take out for a second, shall we? The uh, the idea that that's politics, politicians, whatever, because people get so emotionally attached to these politicians for some reason. I mean, most 99% of these people are complete scumbags. But let's just take the idea that these are politics and politicians out. I cannot as a man, as a, as a man, as an adult male, imagine some guy says horrific, awful, terrible things mm-hmm. about me, about my family, you know, I mean, insulting just every facet of my existence under the sun. Uh, I mean, and look, the and when I say Trump people, I'm not talking about people who are voting for Trump. There's many, many fine people who are voting for Trump. But a lot of these only Trump people are crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the and they're mean and they're vicious and they were horrifically awful to Ron DeSantis and his family and his cancer survivor wife. And at the end of the day... All these politicians are exactly the same. And this is the whole reason Ron DeSantis didn't connect with people was because they saw him as an ungenuine person. And he proved those people right. Because what was his default movement? Not only to get out of the race, which is fine. You can come and go as you please. Nobody's required to stay in and run for public office. But he's totally subservient to Trump. This guy and his... his uh, only Trump people who were vicious beyond belief for no reason whatsoever to this guy as a man. I would never give any credence whatsoever. It's not that, hey, we disagreed politically. We had the spirited campaign and my, your policies were better than mine and you won and I lost. They were vicious to him. And as a man, he got on bended knee and was totally subservient to Don. It was gross, Casey. I wanted to puke. And it was like, this is why you didn't win, because nobody believes you're a genuine person. Okay, well, I think you hit the nail on the head when it came to Ron DeSantis. He used a lot of logic when he was campaigning. He's uh, conservative. He was clearly a proven leader in Florida, uh, a culture warrior. But people are basing much of their reaction on emotion, not logic. And you're right, they were mean and vicious to Ron DeSantis. And at this point, it's up to Donald Trump to get those pro-DeSantis people into the fold. He already did it. He already got him. DeSantis endorsed him, and DeSantis told his people. This is the story to me. It's not the DeSantis. Yeah, but there's a lot of DeSantis people who are upset. Oh, no. It doesn't matter, Casey. They're totally going to vote for Trump. (laughs) DeSantis, what a... There's words I so want to use right now that I cannot use because, my goodness, Casey, can you imagine? Let's just say someone, your husband is in business, okay? Someone comes up to your husband and publicly is in the same 
sports memorabilia world that your husband is in and starts saying horrific, awful things, not only about your husband, Mm -hmm. but then he starts saying horrific, awful things about you. And they start saying horrific, awful things about your daughter. How could you possibly have any respect for a man who... If your husband were like, I need to be in this business so bad. Right. And I I'm going to be turn like, around and like, say, that's yes, okay. Yeah, that this is okay. Yeah. It's one thing to go after the candidate, but they went after the family. They, I mean, they demeaned him as a human being. They, I, I am just blown away that this guy who was supposed to be this big, tough fighter man. Turned around and endorsed Trump. It's all but not only that, but he seemed to throw a lot of his supporters under the bus by dropping out because he swore. Yeah. He said he was going to be in it till the end and that he would never endorse Trump. Ride or die, right? And then... Nope. You he know, turned right around. And But isn't that politics? Isn't that how dirty things get and how divided the country is on certain issues? It, that it, that's just part of it? No, what it is, is it is it is right in the face. I mean, smacking you right between the eyes. There's nothing worse you could do to a man than demean his family. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's his wife is not Hillary Clinton. His wife is just a lovely, wonderful, cancer-surviving mother, Mm -hmm. and those people were vicious to her and the kids and everything else. And this is why he he proved all the people right by being subservient to Trump, because to Ron DeSantis, the need to live another day in politics was greater than what is right and what is wrong? You know who I, I had respect for and then I lost respect because he totally wimped out was Ted Cruz. Because in remember in 2016, Ted Cruz got up at the Republican convention and he told me, he's like, just vote your conscience. And people are like, rabble, 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 rabble. And it's like, oh, you're mad that somebody's being honest. Mm-hmm. You're mad that somebody's finally telling you exactly what they think. Now, did I agree with that? No. Do I think people should vote for Trump? Yes. Would I vote for an orange peel over Biden? Yes, absolutely. But Donald Trump has not insulted my family. He has not spent months saying horrific, terrible things about me. In fact, Casey, I don't know if you remember this, but I- He said it was a great dream. He said I was a great dream. He wished every interview could be just like me, that I (laughs) like this, that I knew what was going on out there. So I don't have that emotion with Trump, but I am telling you, I am telling you right now, Mm -hmm. if some guy said the things- uh, about me, or more importantly, about my family, that Donald Trump. There's no way I would tell anybody to vote for this guy. Do you think he's angling for a VP or a cabinet position, or he's still looking at 2028? Like, why would he fold that quickly? He's a politician, Casey. Mm-hmm. And it, look at look at who look at who got into bed with Donald Trump in 2016 because he wanted to be vice president. Mike Pence. Everybody knew Mike Pence, and more importantly, Mike Pence's wife couldn't stand Donald Trump. But it isn't about conviction. It's about them. Whether it's Mike Pence or Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis or whoever, these people are all the same. And this is why Trump continues to thrive. And this is why Trump continues to succeed. And none of these people get it, Casey. Trump succeeds because he is the anti-politician and he won again. You can say whatever you want about this guy. You can hate his style. You can hate his substance. You can hate his personality. You can hate the, his Twitter. You can hate the language that he uses. He wins over and over and over. And not only does he win, he makes these people get down on their... Yes. I mean, they are Bend like... Bend the knee. You know who he... DeSantis <laughs> turned into? He turned into Jake Blues under the bridge <laughs> with Carrie Fisher and the Blues Brothers. It was gross. I was embarrassed for Ron DeSantis. Well, here he is suspending his campaign for president.
Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Okay, so I still think now it's up to Donald Trump to get everybody to rally around one person. I mean, it's down to him and Tricky Nikki, right? Is that your nickname for yeah. her? But And I think one of the best <laughs> things that Donald Trump can do is come out pretty quickly and name a really strong vice president to solidify everybody. Well, that's all the conversation. And um, it's going to be fascinating to see where he goes because he cannot. He cannot pick, like he did in 2016, an establishment person to soothe over these people. If he does, he's going to totally alienate. And I'm not even talking like Nikki Haley. Uh, there's a whole bunch of names that have been floated out there that are that are very, very uh, unpalatable to the people who are going to get emotionally invested in Donald Trump again. And he has got to with this. I mean, look, I, I know this name's been floated, and I'm sure it's not actually serious, but I'm— I strongly believe a Tucker, like a Tucker Carlson pick would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not this guy that lives in this fantasy world where I'm sure Tucker's begging him to be vice president. Don't think that at all. I'm not even sure Tucker Carlson would want it. But somebody in that line of, of thinking where it is a total outsider, yet someone who can deliver the America first Trump message. And that is on Donald Trump to find that person. Yep. And well, Tucker would be excellent at delivering a message because that's what he has done for years. So DeSantis goes on to endorse Trump. He went on to thank his wife, which I can really appreciate. He said some nice things about his children. He thanked all of his donors and his volunteers and supporters. He quoted Winston Churchill. But when he began, he listed off a lot of things that emotion aside that I think that voters really need to consider. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. We can choose reckless borrowing and spending, or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination, or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. The DC elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you, and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Reversing the decline of this nation requires leadership that delivers big results for the people we are elected to serve. So I think it's a lot of, I mean, he had some good points there. Things you need to think about. All right, so let's take a break. There's a very valuable life lesson our audience can learn from this whole Ron DeSantis debacle. 
and then let's be done with this bore and never mention him ever again, and we will throw him to the dust heap of time. <laughs> oh, I'll, no. We got three hours along to fill, with, Rob. Uh, Casey, Casey texted me last night. She's like, so should we put anything on the template other than Ron DeSantis? <laughs> yeah, we've got a few things. It's 18 after 9. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 23 minutes after 9 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So a life lesson to be learned from Ron DeSantis suspending his campaign. All right. So uh, last segment, we talked about how DeSantis totally wimped out in the end, despite the fact that Trump said horrific, awful things, not just about DeSantis and encouraged his I'm talking about the only Trump people. I'm not talking about somebody who's a casual Trump voter or whatever to say horrific things about DeSantis. But they brought his his family into it, which is gross. Um, He was totally subservient, got a bended knee at the end. And because his desire to be on politics or be liked in politics or have another future in politics is so strong, he kissed the ring finger. And so the whole DeSantis... I think the whole DeSantis experience can kind of teach us something. And that is, Casey, in your life, if you're going to pull the trigger on something big or something adventurous or something in which there is not a predetermined outcome, you better be not only fully prepared, but fully embrace and celebrate going all in on what it takes to succeed at that thing or do not do it at all. And what I mean by that is Ron DeSantis was playing in a world where he essentially brought a a, a knife to a Mm gunfight. And in order to beat Donald Trump, it was going to be this hyper risky, almost impossible needle you were going to have to thread. And when you become obsessed with trying to thread a needle or walking on eggshells or whatever phrase you wanna use, you lose who you really are. And if you look at much of this campaign, it was Ron DeSantis not being aggressive to Trump the same way Trump was aggressive to him. And if you're going to defeat Donald Trump, you you know, you have to be willing to knock that dude right between the eyes over and over and over and over again and accept the fact in a Republican primary that if you do try that with Donald Trump, there may be a point of no return. It may not work out for you. You may not ever be able to succeed in Republican politics ever again. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't get into the thing. Don't begin at all. He went about this the worst way possible. I mean, there is a line between being a complete negative never-Trumper like Chris Christie and being a guy who pounded on Donald Trump for viable failures of his first presidency, viable failures of his inability to get Republicans elected. And it seemed like any time DeSantis weighed into that, it was totally half Hearted, Like he was so afraid of, oh my gosh, these people on Twitter or these never Trumper pe- or only Trumper people or never anybody but Trump people are going to be mean and mad at me. And I just think people looked at him and they, and they were ultimately proven correct. You're just kind of, you're better than some of these other people, but you're just, 
You are just a politician. There were many times throughout the campaign, you and I both said, come on, Ron, get in there. You got to toughen up. He was very tough in the debates. But when it came to Donald Trump, he just seemed to stop short. He pulled up from it. And I'm wondering if there's uh, if this is a situation of turn the other cheek. He was trying to be above the fray in that regard. Um, But. You can't do it. When he would go after Trump, he went after Trump's policies and the spending and what he did during COVID. He never made it personal. Trump is the one who made it personal or name calling about DeSantis. Trump is the best I've ever seen at this. And I say this as someone who is pretty good at this. Um, And it is why people who do this well are people who very, very often succeed. Trump is the best I've ever seen at getting people to play on his terms. And it's like in a football game, if you can, if a team doesn't have a very good quarterback and you can repeatedly force them into third and longs or third and mediums, you're going to have a pretty good success rate because they don't throw the ball very well. If you can stop them from, if you can get them to play on your terms and Donald Trump always is successful at getting people outside of their comfort zone. Look at how in 2016, Everyone wilted. Look at how in 2024, he didn't even engage with these people. But the his ability to um, set the narrative and set the tone and then make people responsive to him mm-hmm. is incredible. So in life, the life lesson is, if it is a risky venture without a predetermined outcome, and you are not willing to be 100% all in on that and doing whatever it takes to succeed at that, then do not venture into that that is not that is not for you. So Donald Trump said that he was going to retire the nickname DeSanctimonious and coming up. Of course up, he is, you know, Casey. Well, sure, because Ron did what he wanted he him to do. He gave him what he wanted. He dropped out. Yeah, so now they're all friends. Uh, but coming up, we've got some audio of Donald Trump explaining why he gives political opposition nicknames to begin with. That's on the way from 93 WIBC. 33 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey and ABC News reporting that 69% of Americans don't believe President Biden has the mental sharpness to be president. What's the number? 69%, which is who are the other who are the other 31? That's up from 43% just two years ago. Wouldn't you love to have a conversation with somebody in the 31%? And ask them, hey, you think he's Got all his knives nice and sharp. Yeah, what what possibly if at this point you still believe he's mentally fit, mm-hmm. what what could possibly and, and I'm not even trying to be what facetious. What does unfit look well, like? Well, I'm not trying to be facetious <laughs> or mean spirited. I'm I would genuinely be very curious to look at that person and go, what what would it take for you to believe this person is is unfit? Well, over the weekend, he, Joe Biden, was mocking Donald Trump for appearing to mix up Nikki Haley and the former speaker, Nancy Pelosi. Oh. So this happened at a campaign rally. And um, so now Nikki Haley is responding to not only Donald Trump saying that she was in charge of security on January 6th, but now she's attacking Joe Biden's mental acuity as well. And I think we're going to see the possibility of Nikki Haley spinning out of control rather quickly because now that Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the race, she is the only target left for Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, not that she had any chance anyway, but I mean, if you were to say how long could she keep going while it was New Hampshire and then her home state of South Carolina, and so, you know, maybe there was some 
viable path to her at least keep going. I mean, she wasn't going to win. But like like I said before, again, here's see, here's the difference between a lot of the Trump people and like, say, the DeSantis people or some of these others. The, I have said I would vote for an orange peel <laughs> over Joe Biden because I care about the country that much that whoever essentially is the opposition is going to be better than Joe Biden and is the only chance. And if it's Donald Trump, we've laid out many, many times things he's going to have to do not because we say so, but because the public has said so. People who should be voting for him, who don't vote for him because of him. Like there's nothing, it's not policy driven, it is Trump driven. But the difference is, whatever misgivings I have about that, I'm going to suck it up and do, mm-hmm. air quote, the right thing. Would the Trump people have done the right thing? I think this is a really viable question by Trump people. Again, I'm not talking about somebody who is a casual Trump voter. I'm talking about the only Donald Trump people. If if DeSantis had caught fire, if DeSantis had you know caught on and, and won the election and been the nominee, would the Donald Trump people have loved the country enough to do the exact same thing? I'm not sure the answer with that is is clear at all that they would do that, Casey. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying I think it's up to him to say, okay, DeSantis is out. We all need to rally around me. And the best way he can do that is pick a vice president who's going to help with that process. So, you know, he's a big fan of the nicknames, Donald Trump is. And he was speaking with Sean Hannity. And here he is explaining why he gives his political opposition nicknames. She points back to you praising her, and now she says that you're using a nickname based on her uh, given name, Nimrata. You called her Nimbra in a post the other day. Why do you do that? I do that with a lot of people, like Hutchinson. I mean, he was polling at zero for about one year, and I called him, rather than Asa, I called him Ada Hutchinson, and it just felt good to me. And with her, it's just something that came. It's a little bit of a takeoff on her name, you know, her name wherever she may come from, but uh, it's just What do you mean by that? What do you mean? Uh, It's a little bit of a takeoff. I look at her name. I look at a lot of people. You know, I do a lot of uh, names for people, like Pocahontas. Uh, She said, my mother said I look like an Indian, so I started calling her Pocahontas. Some people say I'm very good at that, but uh, I can't get into too many because many of those people that I named like that are Republicans, and we don't want to bring that up. But uh, no, it's just, uh, it's a takeoff. I have fun with it. And sometimes, to tell you the truth, it's a a very effective tool. Mm -hmm. It is effective. It's how he markets his opposition. He makes fun of them. And he's really good at selling. There's a guy who, ABC, always be closing. And he is always closing. He's Michael Scott. Yes, he's Michael Scott. (laughs) Um, And I think it kind of makes him seem down to earth or like a regular guy. And that's why people think, oh, I can. He's a billionaire. Sure. But that's why people think, oh, I can relate to this guy. He's just like me, even though he's clearly not. Well, and, and again, the onus is on him now to set up a vision for the country. He's going to be the nominee. All the, I mean, Nikki Haley doesn't count. She's not an actual viable threat, nor was she really ever. She's simply playing for fun at this point. So the onus is on him. What's the vision? And I think the most important thing that Trump can lay out to a lot of people, I'm, I, you know, I know I'm one of them, is what safeguards are you going to put in place to prevent what happened in 2020 from happening again? Because I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen a guy that has any sense of remorse 
for what he allowed to take place in 2020. I'm talking about the magical money printing factory. I'm talking about the shutdowns of society. I'm talking about the mandatory masking. All of these things facilitated by the federal government uh, and, and Donald Trump with this Fauci. I mean, what we, everybody, everybody, whether you're only Trumper or whatever, should have be demanding that Donald Trump lay that out. What are you going to do to ensure that doesn't happen again? Because that was totally unacceptable. I think it'll be really telling after the New Hampshire primary to see what sort of lead Donald Trump had, how how far he won that. Because if that's the case, then it's up to Nikki Haley to drop out and everybody rally around Donald Trump and the Republican Party because then they can turn around to these states and say, what, you're not going to put a nominee on the ballot? All right, uh, when we come back, Sports Illustrated, huge trouble over the weekend laying off all their employees, and we got a guy to tell us what is going on with one of the nation's most iconic magazines. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull a mask off at old Lone Ranger and you don't Around with Jim. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. My name is Casey. Rob is here. And Rob, I don't know if you saw the headlines. No. But they do not look good for Sports Illustrated. Let me give you an example. Sports Illustrated lays off significant amount of staff after license revoked. However, the owner vows to continue the brand. I don't know. I don't think it looks very good, but you know who we have? Oh, who do we have? We have a guy. Oh, perfect. He is the foremost expert on graded Sports Illustrated, and you know, he's very positive, so I'm sure he'll have a different spin than what we've been seeing in the headlines. Jim Roberts joins us. All right, Jim, you're positive about this. You don't think this is the end for Sports Illustrated. Do tell. Well, first off... Well, for Kendall and Casey, thank you again for having me on so much. I appreciate it. So, yeah, the, the headlines look terrible. And all the comments and, and reaction on social media is Sports Illustrated is pretty much done as a magazine and a website. But, of course, as is the case with most things, um, it's a lot more complicated on that. So I, I'm, I'm going to get a little geeky and a little wonky. We but love that. See. We love that. We is love geeky okay? and wonky. That's our show, Jim. Go. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, so it's, uh, it's complicated. So in 2019, Sports Illustrated was sold to a venture capital firm, for lack of a better term, called Authentic. Oh. And Authentic has no interest in Sports Illustrated, the magazine, or the website. What Authentic wanted Sports Illustrated for and why they bought them was to license the name Sports Illustrated to other entities. For example, there is a Sports Illustrated sports book in a casino where you can place gambling bets and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. There is a Sports Illustrated resort that's being built right now in Ann Arbor. And what this company has done, Authentic, has licensed the brand name Sports Illustrated all over the place the last few years, and they've been hugely successful with it. Part of that is they licensed the rights to publish Sports Illustrated, the magazine, and the website to this other company called um, Arena Group. And Arena Group's been doing that the last few years in exchange for paying the parent company, Authentic Brands, 
a licensing fee for the right to publish it. Great. Well, the problem is, uh, in the last several months, the Arena Group has missed some of their licensing payments uh-huh. to the parent company. And so part of the so so what the, essentially what the owner did is revoked the license and said, you're no longer have the right to use our brand to publish this magazine and website, which, you know, hey, I get it. If, they're, if, if Arena Group isn't paying them for the right to do it, why let them keep doing it? Jim, I have a, I have a, I have a question for you. Jim Roberts, yes, is that, that's what we're calling you today, right? Jim Roberts is our yes. guest. Uh, yes, we're sir. talking about the, the potential death and destruction of Sports Illustrated. So there's so many people out there, obviously everything's political these days. They're like, hey, Sports Illustrated, it used to be sports and it was great writers and this and that. And then the, the politics got involved and it went to the left. Your theory is it didn't matter to this group because it was the licensing that was more important than how many subscriptions they were selling. Absolutely. So the parent company really doesn't care about the magazine. But here's the problem. They need somebody. This parent company needs somebody to keep publishing the magazine and the website, because if they don't, then trying to sell the Sports Illustrated brand name to, you know, build a resort and casino in Las Vegas, all of a sudden that brand name becomes much less valuable. So they're not going to get nearly as much money when they try and sell the next resort somewhere, Sports Illustrated Resort somewhere. So, so they, this this parent group has a huge vested interest in finding somebody that will publish the magazine and the website. And I think ultimately they're going to do that because in the grand scheme of things, the magazine and the website are, are like a tiny fraction of the parent company's overall business that they're bringing in from that brand jim so so you you make your living uh helping sell buy and sell graded sports illustrated that's we've had you on before that's a whole new market it's a multi-million dollar market i am curious though from the perspective of sports illustrated and what that brand actually means to people where does it go from here? I mean, obviously, there was a time where if you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, it was the most iconic thing in sport, uh, that you had reached the pinnacle of sport, even if for a moment in time. What, what does the Sports Illustrated brand mean going forward, and how does it affect people like you who have revered and loved Sports Illustrated for years and years and years? You know what, Rob? So this, you, you said I was overly positive before when we talked. Um, so I, I look at this as potentially a positive, because let's be honest. You know, the, the reaction on social media has been, like you said, go woke, go broke. Sports Illustrated has, has, you know, taken a hard turn to the left the last several years. So I'm optimistic that when a new company comes in and decides to publish it, they're going to write the ship. I'm, I'm certainly not going to defend some of the things Sports Illustrated has done the last three or four years, you know, since they've been run by the Arena Group. And obviously it hasn't worked out well for the Arena Group. Um, so I think that I'm optimistic that a new company is going to come in. They're going to publish Sports Illustrated, and, and, and they'll make it what it used to be, which was a magazine that was primarily about sports, not about leftist politics, um, and celebrated all these athletes and these incredible moments in, in, in sports history. So I, I think that's what's going to happen likely going forward. So the agree- Arena Group recently terminated their CEO, and now it looks like it's the Arena Group that's going to be done. But you're saying that the authentic brand will continue. But I guess my question is, as we've seen across the country, newspapers are going out of business, the print uh, industry losing subscribers, but you're still positive that somebody will pick up the mantle and continue to publish the magazine. Yeah, I am. And again, it's because, and look, look, the fact that, you know, print media has been declining for decades now is certainly contributing to all of these problems. But like I talked about before, this parent company, Authentic Brands, 
needs somebody to publish the magazine and the websites because if it's if they don't then the majority of their business which is licensing that sports illustrated brand name isn't going to be worth nearly as much so i think this is a rare reason where um there's a lot of other external factors happening here as to why i think that it'll continue to be published and like i said it's because they need to have that magazine and that website going or else they're going to have a hard time putting Sports Illustrated on shoes and T-shirts and golf clubs and everything else they want to do. Do you think authentic brands will lower their licensing fee? Like uh, we've learned a bit of a lesson here. Arena Group couldn't pay for the licensing fee. We have to lower it just a bit so someone will continue to publish it. You know, I think that's part of what's happening right now. I think there's negotiations that are taking place. Look, there are other less well-known sports publications out there that are doing very well and putting out sports magazines and, and that sort of thing on about half the revenue of what Sports Illustrated is currently doing. So I think most of this is about the arena group not being very good at running a business um, and, and putting out a bunch of you know liberal content in a sports magazine that consumers didn't want. So once you fix that, I think things are looking better going forward. Uh, Jim Roberts is our guest. He is a Sports Illustrated expert. By the way, tell everybody what you do, Jim, because you're here and we want to give you publicity. Uh, sure, yeah. So I'm a, a sports memorabilia dele- uh, dealer and, and restorer, um, primarily on vintage magazines like Sports Illustrated. So you can find me at CGC Sports Illustrated. It's the same username on YouTube and every social media platform. Okay, so my dad was adamant that I tell you this on these very powerful airwaves, Jim, <laughs> that he canceled his Sports Illustrated subscription when they put Bruce, as he described it, Bruce Jenner in a dress on the cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> and so this is my general question to you because ESPN has gone super left, Sports Illustrated went super left. Both of these have been in big trouble because of this. Why is so much of sports media so left? Don't they look at this and go, hey, a lot of people that consume this, they don't want any politics in as mm-hmm. much as these politics. I think it's part of part of the larger media problem. The entire media, or 95% of the entire media, is leftist. And so I think when you look at whether or not it's general political media or general news or sports or entertainment or any other sort of journalism and media out there, they all tilt left. And I think that's just because the type of person that wants to be in journalism tends to be much more liberal than, than the average person. You know, conservatives... You know, want to become lawyers and doctors and entrepreneurs and run businesses and, and liberals want to, you know, be journalists. I think that's probably <laughs> driven by it. Uh, well, Casey, I, can, I, can, I can understand why things like ESPN went left. I mean, it's ABC. I don't know if it's still Cap City or not, but Disney and all of that entire group. So you're saying that this is a chance for authentic groups to stop putting uh, trans on the cover or AI generated artwork on the cover. Yeah, I, I, I do see this as an opportunity. I see this as an opportunity for a new publisher to come in, produce the magazine, run the website, mm-hmm. and run it as a real sports entity as opposed to um, a typical liberal media entity like it has been run the last three or four years. How many subscribers does Sports Illustrated have? And, um, and I love your dad, by the way. His dad canceled his Sports Illustrated subscription. So Sports Illustrated still has almost 2 million subscribers. So it's still this healthy publication. I mean, that's an incredible amount of base revenue coming in to whatever company decides to publish it. You still got 2 million subscribers paying whatever, 20, 30 bucks a year. 
um, that's an incredible amount of money even before you get to their advertising revenue that they're going to generate. So, so that's another reason why I don't think they're just going to go away and disappear. There's so much money there from the subscriber base, not to mention the advertising base, that somebody will come in, they'll figure out how to do it less expensively than Sports Illustrated has been doing the last several years. They can turn a profit and, and make their licensing payments to the parent company. All right, we got to go, Jim. I just want to say this on these airwaves. Uh, you're one of the coolest guys I know, and I wish I could be you when I grow up. Casey, go ahead and take us out. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.